We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. The Word says there is none good but God. Sometimes I think I'm good. Please be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. Sometimes I think I'm good, then I get to looking at myself and realize I'm not so good. Then I realize through word what good means, and I realize that I'm not any good. There's no good thing in me save Jesus Christ. And so I'm glad that I serve a good God. You've heard the, uh, you've heard the expression, or you've heard people ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And uh, Bishop said, I think a couple of weeks ago, so perfectly, well, there's no good people. We think, we think of measures of good, but there's none good but God. So why do bad things happen to good people? Well, you have to understand something. In the, in the terms of good in Scripture, there's no good people. Understand that life is life, and you have a good God. You have a good God. You have a good God that when things happen in your life, He can take you through them. You ever met that person called the do-gooder? You all know what a do-gooder is? They do, they do. Some of you are smiling. Some of you are like, I have no idea what a do-gooder is. They're busy doing good so they can justify themselves, justify their relationship, justify what they do, all those things, do-gooder. Going about doing good, and we should. Jesus went about doing good, and we should go about doing good. But understand something. All good and all goodness comes directly from God. All good and all goodness comes directly from God. Luke chapter 1, if you will. Seems like our air conditioners are starting to slip behind. Must be getting close to 99. (laughs) Or maybe it's because I'm wearing a thick jacket. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to every father. Happy Father's Day to every father. This means it's Father's Day. I want to talk to you today about Father's Day. Father's Day. Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 13 through 17. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want to read verse 17 again. Speaking about John the Baptist here. He shall go before him in the spirit of power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What is fatherhood? What is fatherhood? Well, it's getting to go anywhere you want to go on Father's Day. It's getting to drive there and it's getting to pay the bill. That's what, it's getting up in the middle of the night to see what that noise was outside when you really wanted to stay in bed and hide like everybody else. That's what, it's the, it's the best excuse to buy all the toys you didn't get to get when you were, 
Man, the thing about fatherhood, you get to buy all these toys. Your kids may not like them, but, man, it's the toy you wanted. That's fatherhood. Fatherhood is watching cartoons when no one else is home and really enjoying them. Fatherhood's playing Santa on Christmas Eve, then paying for the privilege of playing Santa at 22% interest for the next 48 months. That's what fatherhood is. It's assembling toys that require one screwdriver and a nuclear physicist to assemble it. Fatherhood is carrying sleepy kids into the house when you're too tired to even carry yourself. Fatherhood. It's fixing kites, breaking up fights, cleaning up spills. It's dental bills, broken arms, and skateboards. Hey, I just want to say I love you, Dad. Thanks. That's what fathers and fatherhood is about. You know, I'm really surprised that our nation still has Mother's Day and Father's Day. That still surprises me. With all the political correctness business that's going on, soon it's just going to be Parents' Day, not Mother's Day. Or father. After all, that Mother's Day is woman and Father's Day is men. And we're not supposed to be doing that thing today. So I wouldn't doubt in the next five years is it just becomes one holiday, one day, Parents' Day. In our reading, I want you to notice one of the responsibilities John the Baptist would have in his ministry as the forerunner of Jesus Christ, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Man, that says a lot. That says a lot. If ever there was a time in our nation's history when we need just that, it's now. Where, where the hearts of fathers would be turned towards their children. I believe the reason we're in this arena of mess that we're in today is simply because of the fathers. The fathers. The responsibility that we hold as fathers. Fathers who don't have their hearts turned toward their children. Many fathers today are walking off from their children. They're not doing the things. that Fathers who have never put an arm around their kids and told them they loved them. Now, to those of you who your dad did that and you do that to your children, that's a blessing to understand that just putting your arm around your child and say, I love you, is huge in that child's life. Fathers who, they're, they're one of the reasons we have such a problem in our nation, fathers never show their emotions in front of their children. My, my dad's generation grew up that you show no emotion, you don't cry, you don't show, it's a weakness. How many of us have never seen our fathers cry at all? One of the best things you could ever do, sir, is be at an altar before God and cry out to God, especially in front of and for your children. One of the best things you could do is be at home. How many stories have you heard? And you always heard it this way. I used to come home and I would hear my mom, my grandmother, my aunt, and they would be calling out my name in prayer when I got home at 2 o'clock in the morning. But, yeah, but how often do you hear, Dad was up, and he was calling my name, and he was calling my brother's name, and he was calling, how many times have we heard that story? See, I think that's the problem we're having in this nation today, is that dads, their heart, our hearts, dads, listen to me, our hearts need to be turned towards our children. You're looking at the future. You're looking at the future. That's the future of this country. I remember it was a book written by a gentleman in 1960, and he said, the generation that I live in today, when they, when they take control of this country, this country will be no more. Was it because of their political views? It wasn't because of their religious views. It's simply because in the 1960s, you saw this huge wave of men as they walked away from their 
their children and their families. Fathers who have never taken their kids to Sunday school or didn't go with them, that's what fathers do. Fathers who walked out on their family, they never led their family in prayer. They never prayed with their family. It's, Dad, do you pray with your kids? That's a little difficult, isn't it? Because sometimes your kids don't want to listen. They don't want to participate. But it's not so much that, because I can promise you, if you told your kids to, you wanted to pray with them, they would be ready. They would be ready. The problem is today, fathers, is that we need to stand past our ego, past our embarrassment, past our, that's a, you know, I hate to, I hadn't resorted to movies in a long time, so I'm going to resort to a movie. And it was about a man that was a, he was a military man, he was a Marine, and he, he showed no mercy to anybody, and he got put in the school for, and he had to train these little boys to become men in the school. And part of it was, this little boy was having a book bear that was in his uh, closet at night, and this little boy was like about five or six years old. And he comes running to this major and says, Major, he's back. And so the major said, Is he back in your closet? Yes, he is. So the major walks upstairs, pulls out his revolver, bam, 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 and shoots holes into the closet. And there I took care of it. And so the little boy runs up to the major, Oh, I love you. And the major kind of gives it like that, and all of a sudden he realizes. And he pulls that boy around and has his neck in a chokehold and says, are you planning on me, boy? Because that's how a lot of times we look at our children. When they want to show us affection and need affection from us, we think they're planning on us. Dads, we've got to change some things. We've got to change some things. The father commanded a high position in the family during Old Testament times. Dad, let me show you what you could have had. His word was law in the family. Dad's word in the Old Testament was law in the family. You ever told your kid to do something, they went and did the opposite? That didn't happen in the Old Testament. You know what happened in the Old Testament? If your child, your son, did something against your will, the elders would stone him to death. That's pretty drastic, isn't it? The Hebrew word translated in English as husband from the Old Testament means Lord my, I'm going. The lady's toes are already curling. The word "husband" in the Old Testament, "father," meant Lord, Master, Owner, Possessor. Not something we really hear taught today, is it? We don't hear those kind of words today. Matter of fact, if we were to actually get up and say, in today's world, the husband is the master, the owner. You know what? We not only would be castigated, I probably wouldn't be pastor here anymore. Because it's not in our, it's not in our understanding the importance of husband, father, because of of his position, which is shared to some degree in the Old Testament by the mother, he was expected to be treated as royalty in his family. The father was to be treated, and he wasn't the one that expected it. All those around him expected his children and his wife to treat him as royalty in the family. You know, I can remember some of the old-time 50s and 60s uh, sitcom shows where dad would arrive home from work and the family would gather around and they would welcome him in and love and hug him and all those things and give honor to him. Man, times have changed, haven't they? Times have changed. The fifth of the Ten Commandments takes this idea of importance of the parents a little further. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. And listen, that's not just for your children. You as an adult should honor 
your father and your mother. That doesn't stop when you become a father yourself. You still should honor your father and your mother. The word honor here is actually a reference in a response to God. Not that your father is God. Guys, some of you are smiling big. Yeah, I'm going to be honored as God in my house. No, that's not what it, it means. The fifth commandment shows that we should show a sense of honor to dad and mom. Along with the honor of the position as head of the family, though the father was expected to resume responsibilities in the Old Testament. The responsibilities can be classified into three categories that the husband, the father, was responsible to do as father. They were spiritual, they were social, and they were economical. First, he was responsible for the spiritual well-being of the family, not just his children. In those days, multiple families lived within the group of the family, and the hierarchy in the family, the father with the most that, that, that was set above his responsibility was to make sure that everybody in that family had their religious order in right. That was his responsibility. I mean, some fathers find it hard to get themselves straight with God, much less help their children. Fathers, we've got to change that today. We've got to ch- the church, fathers in the church. I'm glad I'm in the church with fathers that see this and understand this. In the early ages of the father, he functioned as the priest of the family. He sacrificed on the behalf of the family. If only fathers would get that aspect in their life today, to sacrifice for the entire family. Later, as the priesthood was established by law in Israel, a layman father no longer offered that sacrifice at the altar. His spiritual role was redefined as a dad and as a father. But he continued to be the spiritual leader in his house. It wasn't passed on to the priesthood. It wasn't. The spiritual leader of your home is not passed on to the pastor. Pastor is not the spiritual leader of your home. There are pastors that love to do that. They love to control the home. They love to, you know, I I can. There was a pastor that I was aware of that every Sunday, the ladies of the church would march through his office, and he would look to make sure they were dressed properly. I'm with you, sir. I'd have punched his lights out too. Because I'm the spiritual head of my family, and when a pastor wants to, man, y'all are getting nervous. I'm going to make you a little more nervous. When a pastor wants to look my wife over to make sure she's dressed properly for church, you know what he just told me? Put them up. Because any pastor that says, I'm going to look your wife over to make sure she's, you know, God will forgive me for the throwdown. God will forgive me for the throwdown. Because that's, I'm responsible for those things in the spiritual aspects of my family's life. Not a pastor. Not, not, let me move on. I'm about to get carnal here. One of the biggest responsibilities of a father in the Old Testament was to train his children in the ways of godliness. Train up a child in the way, train up a child in the way they should go. You know, a lot of people say, well, I trained my children up, but they fell away from God. That's not what that means. It means train up a child in the way they should go, and when they grow old, they will not depart. When you find out what your child, what his or her thing is, you train them up. And don't, listen, don't frustrate your kids. 
if your kid's not meant to be a lawyer, don't put him in law school. Don't put her in law school. Find out and train that child up and what tick makes them tick and bring them up. And you know what? When they grow old, that's what they're going to do. Because those things are God-given. You're only finding out what God gave them. You're only learning what God gave them. And so you want to train that. That was the responsibility of a father in the Old Testament. Socially, his responsibility was that no one took advantage of any family member. Any family member. I know, you know, that's not a big problem here in Texas. We all have guns. Nobody's going to take advantage of my family member. Listen, it goes more than just that. You know, there, there, are, there are all types of ways people will take advantage of your family if you allow it. I'll give you an easy one. Your kid walks into a store, 18 years old, legal age, but still, your child, still at home. And so, so at the counter at the department store, hey, you know what? You want that today? I can set you up with a credit card, and you can get that today. And after, That's taking advantage of someone that doesn't understand the economics of a credit card. But if I'm training up my child... If I'm taking the social responsibility, I would train them way before they ever got to the department store about what a credit card is. You see, the responsibility a father actually has is to, to make sure that our families aren't taken advantage of. Those who were not protected by their father in the Old Testament were really considered disadvantaged people. The two most common people in the Old Testament that weren't taken care of by their father were widows and orphans. Widows and orphans. They had a hard life because they didn't have that person to be there in their life. Four specific duties of a father to his Jewish son in those days was first that his son had to be circumcised. That was of the law. The second was he was to pass on his inheritance to the firstborn son. The third was he was to find, boy, some of you guys, hit. the father was responsible to find the son a wife. Yeah. All right, guys, can you trust your dad's judgment in the woman you're going to marry? That he's going to pick them out. That was a responsibility he had, to find his son a wife. You might want to check with your dad and find out, you know what, just look at your mom. That's what your dad likes, so that's what he's going to look for for you. Have you ever noticed that sons often marry women? They're a lot like their mother's. And women often marry men that are a lot like their dads. It's an odd thing. Boy, you are getting. And he is to teach his son a trade. The father was responsible to teach his son how to earn a living. How many times in today's society, listen, a lot of men in our society today, a lot of fathers don't even prepare for an inheritance. An inheritance is not money. That, that's a single part of inheritance. But you know what? There's a greater inheritance that's due all of you. There's an inheritance in God. But if you don't train up your child and you don't provide for your child into that inheritance, they're going to be without an inheritance. You, you, that's your responsibility, sir. That's my responsibility as a dad. I have two daughters, and I'm quite sure they're never going to let me pick their husbands. But I'm going to tell you this. they got to get the Okay. They got to get the okay. If they don't get the okay, it's going to be a fight. They might marry that guy, but they got to fight all the rest of their life. Dads. A lot of dads 
don't teach their sons trades. That, you know why they don't? They've never invested in their life to find out what they do, what they're good at. Some guys and gals are good at numbers. Some are good with their hands. Some are organizers. Some, they're all different. You've got to find that out, Dad. That's what we do. Economically, the father was to provide for the various needs of the family members. And remember, it wasn't just the husband and wife and their few kids. It was the family members. From time to time, there was a lazy person that would fail to provide for his family, though. You find it in the Old Testament. Providing fathers would then mock this lazy man publicly. When this man was too lazy to provide for his family, they would get him out in public and they would publicly mock him, shaming him into doing what he already ought to be doing. How do we know that? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. Take a lesson from the ants. We've heard this, but listen to what it all says. Take a lesson from the ants. And I'm reading from a new version. You lazy fellow. So the writer here is talking to someone that they picked up as lazy. They're now out in public. And he said, okay, everybody. Oh, hey, Jack, you're not providing for your family. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy guy. Learn from their ways and be wise. For though they have no king to make them work, yet they labor hard all summer long, gathering food for the winter. But you, all you do is sleep. Man, this is a public. When are you going to wake up? When will you wake up? Well, let me sleep a little longer. Sure, just a little longer. But the writer says, as you sleep, poverty, poverty creeps upon you like a robber and destroys you. Want attacks you in full armor. That's what happens when someone doesn't provide for their family. Paul rebuked those who called themselves Christians but refused to look after the needs of their family. You know, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's not a ism from anybody. That's, that's a, not even a Paulism. It's Scripture. If you don't work, you don't eat. 1 Timothy 5 and 8, But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of the household of faith, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He's writing to Timothy, and he said, Listen, Timothy, understand something. When somebody doesn't provide for their own, especially those that are in the church, they've actually denied the faith, and they're worse than believers who are outside the church. That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. Here are two opposite examples of fathers in the Scripture. 1 Kings 15, 25 through 26. Now Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin. Now here's another one, 1 Kings 15, 1 through 3. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 22 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Each son followed the footsteps of their father, one into the footsteps of unrighteousness, one into the footsteps of fall. Listen, dads. We have this great responsibility as fathers. 
to lead our children in the ways of righteousness. Because what this is telling me is this. If we don't, they will follow another. They'll follow another. They'll follow one in the ways of unrighteousness. If we don't raise them, if we don't train them, if we don't provide in those manners, someone will. Dad, the example you leave for your children will take them all the way through their lives. I wake up every day and something happens to me in my life reminds me of my dad. Something I'm doing working, something I say, a reaction I have reminds me of what he instilled in me for 18 years. Because at 18, my dad was like, okay, where are you going to live, son? Because it's not here. It's somewhere else. And we'll help you, but it's not here. (laughs) All all four of us. I had four brothers. He wasn't mean to me. It wasn't mean. You know what? He said, listen, I've trained you as much as I can train you. It's time for you to get it. So, but I've, for 18 years, I have, I still remember, and I'm going to be 64 not too long from now. All those things still come back to me. Why is that? That's the impact a father has on their children, on sons and daughters. That's the impact. The impact you have, you will have, whether it's good or bad. You're going to have an impact as a father, good or bad. There's going to be some kind of, there's no, there's no middle ground here. It's important to leave a good, solid example is how to follow and serve God, how to follow God and how to serve God. That's important. Listen, if you don't teach them a trade, encourage them in one. If you don't leave them any kind of inheritance physically-wise, leave them one spiritually. Leave them one spiritually. Leave them something they can grasp to. Jeremiah 17 and 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of a diamond, and it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of your altars. And what's he talking about? He's talking about the one who followed after the sin of his father. Followed after the sin of his father. I want to close on a positive note, though. Now that I've hammered dad really good. See, moms are smiling because I didn't hammer moms on a mom's day, did I? Listen, I'm not hammering you, dad. I'm just making you aware. This is not a hammering. This is not a beat down. This is not a put down. We have some great, great dads. Great, great dads in this church. Um, You know what? That makes it simple and easier for me to pastor when the dad does what he does. It makes it so easy for me to pastor because he's being the priest of his home not putting me as the priest of his home. And you don't know how much that, and you know, are our homes perfect? Well, I can go around and ask each one of you. We're all going to have the same answer. No, our homes aren't perfect. Why is that? My home is not perfect because I'm an imperfect dad. I'm an imperfect father. I'm an imperfect husband. I'm an imperfect person. That doesn't mean I quit. It doesn't mean I quit trying. It doesn't mean I lose my responsibility. It means that I, I really need to go further with God and harder with God and and be more involved with God because as good as the fathers are in this house today if if you increased yourself and who knows what would happen because you're such good fathers I've watched you I've listened to you talk to daughters and sons I've, I've watched how you've participated in their lives and how you've given them examples you know some some of us you know we our kids aren't where we want them to be are they our kids aren't where we want them to be. But let me help you understand something. You don't want your kids where you want them to be. You want your kids where God wants them to be. And sometimes God takes them around this circle to bring them back to this place where you've always wanted them to be. You want your kids living for God, don't you? Don't be surprised, though. I'm not prophesying to you that if your kid gets away from God, don't be surprised by that. Because through that circle, God will bring them back 
He will bring them. See, here's the thing. We understand this part, the bringing back part we have a hard time with God about. Trust God that if that happens, God's going to bring them back. Don't, uh, God, I hope you do this. You know, one of the hardest things for me as a pastor is, is the faith thing. Not that I, not my faith. I mean, I have, I have to work on my faith. But it's with people who just simply don't have it. Well, I sure hope God, you know, it's not a hope in God. I just hope God does it. You see the difference? My hope is in God that he will perform it. But I sure hope God does it. That's two different hopes. And we've got to learn, listen, let God perform it. Let God do what he, and my hope is in God that he will perform his will in my child's life, my wife's life, my husband's life, my family's life, and let him do it. Let him do it. Don't, again, don't frustrate one another by, by putting people where you want them to be. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Pastor Don knows that, you know, I know that myself, personal experience. It just doesn't work. But when I've learned to trust God, now God's telling me, okay, now you learn what it means to be a father when you learn to trust me. Now you're starting to understand what it means to be a father when you're believing in me. Now you're understanding what it means, Don, to be a father when your faith is what I do and what I can do. So, Don, I've outlined in Scripture what you can do, so you do your part. And I'll be God, not you, and I'll do God's part. That's what God said, said to me in the past. Don't do God's part. You can't do it. As a father, I wanted to do God's part, and I couldn't do it. But I learned, you know what? God, he's so able. He's so willing. And all he wants you to do is be a good dad, be a good father. I want to close with this a little poem I, I came across. He takes good care of me. He covers me when I need most. My, uh, let me go th- first through this. The, this. When I was reading this poem, this poem was written by a person in this group of people who just had said something about their dad. It said something about my, my dad takes good care of me. He comforts me when I need it. My dad's my friend, my special friend. One, one person said, my dad is deceased, but I remember how much he loved not only me, but all of us kids. He did not always say it with words but he always showed it with actions. Another person, my father means the world to me. I love him very much. My dad means everything to me. I'm his little girl who enjoys spending time with him, especially when fishing. You knew I had to put that one in. I appreciate that I have a dad because my dad's dad, or my dad basically grew up without a dad. I won't trade my dad for anything in this world. And here's the poem after this group of people. They said, Father's Day is a special day when we remember Dad, but God was the only father Jesus ever had. And when he was a little boy, he loved his father so that he desired to please him wherever he would go. So this Father's Day, like Jesus, honor Dad in all you do and reflect the love of Jesus for the Heavenly Father too. You see, when you love Dad, you're showing a love to God. When you honor Dad, you're showing an honor to God. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. There's a lot that can be said about dads. There's responsibilities. There's biblical direction.
the sad thing is there are a lot of men that have fathered children but never been dads. There's a lot of people that have fathered children but never been dads. And so, Dad, with the children that you fathered, wherever they might be, be their dad. You know, we were talking, I was talking with a couple of people this morning at different times. And something we have to understand is what we do as dads. Sometimes in our children's life, things make us uncomfortable and they're a little hard on us and it hurts. It hurts. But if me hurting as a dad makes my child grow as a person and as a Christian, then that's what I do. That's what I do as a dad. Sometimes I have to hurt that my child will grow. Sometimes I have to hurt that my child will come to a particular just. Sometimes I have to hurt. That's what we do, dads. My dad was one of the toughest guys I ever met. And I don't mean he went around beating up everybody. I tried that. It didn't work out too well. It's a 50-50 deal at best. I can remember, and it's vague memories, but I can remember uh, as a five- and six-year-old not seeing my dad for three weeks, and then he would come home. And I didn't quite understand it until later when I found out that he was working on a, a barge or a dredge uh, off, off the ship channel area. And when he would get off that job, he would go to another job and work as a mechanic. And when he'd get off that job, he'd go to another job. And he was working three jobs at a time for three weeks. And then he would come home a week so he would support his family. That's pretty tough. He was getting two or three hours of sleep a night. And you know his eating habits weren't that great. He was pretty tough. And as we got older, I can remember him taking me and my older brother. He was 16 and I was 15. And he said, I don't, I don't advise you to do this. This is what my dad did. So we had this little shed out behind our house. And he said, I want you all to come out here. And so we came out around the back. And we didn't have any idea what he's. He said, you know, I'm, I'm through whipping you all. I'll never whip you with a belt again. So I'm thinking, this is starting out pretty good. Because, man, I got a lot of those. He said, I, I, you know, I brought you two boys into the world, and he said, I can take you out. And he said, so from now on, he just put his fist up. He said, from now on, you're going to mind a different way. And so we did our best to mind a different way. Now, I know that goes across to some of y'all's doctrines or whatever about parenthood and all those things. But listen, he was pretty tough. I'm convinced today that I probably could have taken my dad. At 16, I could have. But I wasn't about to try it because he was pretty tough. And all that I remember about my dad, in his toughness, there was a, a love. And in his, in his, I'll take you out, there was a love that went through it. Because he was doing that not to bully over on us. He wanted to make sure we understood, I'm dad. I have the responsibility over you. I brought you into the world, and I'm responsible to take care of you. And so whatever it takes, I'm going to, I guess maybe he understood hard-headed boys, and he knew what it took to make sure hard-headed boys would understand. Dads, I want to say thank you. Thank you. I, I watch children a lot. <laughs> I was up there one day, and, I, you know, I guess it's the grandfather thing. Bishop kind of scolded me. 
kids were running around, and I, you know, well, y'all need to close your kids' ears. They were running back and forth, and, I, you know, I was kind of agging them on. And Bishop said, you're agging them on running in church. You need to make sure the kids are, you know, and he wasn't being mean. He just said, listen, you're not part of the solution here. You're part of the problem. You need, you need to get with the program here. There's something about watching little children, though, enjoying themselves in the house of God. And yeah, do I let them get rambunctious? Do, does this pastor do the grandfather thing to your kids? I'm not their daddy. Okay? I'm not their daddy. But I can still be grandpa. Do you have problems with your parents when your kids go and stay a week and come back? I guarantee if Jude stayed with me for a week, Audrey wouldn't take him back. That boy can do no wrong and can do whatever. And I'm having to gauge myself as a grandpa to make sure I don't mess him up. But there's just something about watching kids. The kids that I see having fun, I watch their parents, and you know what? Their parents have fun in church. I've noticed this. The kids that are, you know, playing the little run and tuck games, I watch their parents. Their parents are enjoying being at church. Now, I'm not telling y'all to let them run loose. Bishop's giving me the eye. I'm not telling y'all to let them run loose. What I'm telling you is this. When you watch children, you really see the effect of the parent. You really see it. Dads, I'm going to ask you if you would. If you're a dad here today, I want you to come to the front. If you're a dad, I want you to come to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. Dads, you hold a responsibility that's greater than sometimes we can fathom at times that we can understand because, you know, this, this world that we've built around us it's really based on dad. The world that we've built around us is based on dad. What dad can and can't do, will and won't do, has and hasn't done, all of those things. Well, if you look around in our society, even with the craziness that's going on, everything still reflects dad. You know why? God has ordained that. God has ordained that. And He's ordained you as a dad. He knew you were going to be a dad before you ever were born. He knew the responsibility you were going to hold as a dad before you ever were born. He knew the power and impact you were going to have as a dad before you were ever born. And so with that, He has equipped you. He has equipped you to be a dad. All God is asking for us today, including Pastor Don, is just be a dad. Just be a dad. Ladies, would you come forward? Kids, would you come forward? We're going to pray for our dads. If, if you don't have a husband or if it's not, if you're single, that's great. This is a, we're the family. Remember what I told you? The Old Testament family that the dad not only was taking care of his immediate, but everybody that was involved in that family, everybody was included. And we're including you today. If you're here by yourself, that's fine. There's not a problem whatsoever. You're part of this family. If you can come and stand with your husband or your dad, come do so.
Dads, realize the impact you have. Your word has weight. In the Old Testament, your word was law. In the New Testament, your word has weight. A weight more weightier than any law. Your word of God and from God impacts your home. Your word, your lack impacts your home. Let today be a new beginning, Father's Day. Father's Day. Father's Day. Lord Jesus, you see each man that's standing up here. Fathers that you knew before they were even born. Fathers that you have equipped. God, we understand that as fathers we've not been perfect and most likely, God, I'll make more mistakes before you call me home. But help me be the father that I should be. My daughters are older, 20s and 30s, but I'm still their father. And even when I pass on that, that thing to when their husbands take them, my responsibility is passed on, but I'm still their dad. And though I can't interfere in their lives and their new families, there's something in me that has dad imprinted upon me. And so I want to be that dad that I should be to show the respect and that's due to my children and my wife, but at the same time to still hold the weight of Word of God. God, there are men that are here today that have small children. Oh, what an impact they're making right now. Those children are like sponges and they're absorbing everything they can possibly absorb from Dad. They're watching and they're listening. They're observing. God, help these dads that stand here today. God, that they would be that shining example of Jesus Christ. Not that we are perfect, God. We understand that. But we can still stand as Jesus Christ in our family. We can give that example that you gave. We can be the person that you were and that you are today in our lives. There are those of us that have older children, teenagers, 20 years old, God. Become adults. God, help us to be dads in their adult years. God, help us to realize that we still have impact. God, that our word still has weight. And the wisdoms that we give them come only from our experience with you. Then there are those of us, God, that are grandfathers. We've had our children and now our children of having their children. We never cease to be dads. God, help us to be dad as we ought to, not just to our children, but to show our grandchildren the ways of the Lord. Help me as a grandfather, Lord, to just show those children the ways of God and the love of God. That God is not a mean God. That God is not a vengeful God, but that God is a loving God. God is a caring God. And when we stand in His hand, we have no fear. So touch each man here today. God, I pray your wisdom into their lives. God, I pray your understanding into their lives. Your strength, God, I pray it into their lives today. Let each man be filled and full of the Holy Ghost that gives us wisdom and leads and guides us, trains us. And God, when we leave this room today as we go home, let us not cease to be dads, but to be honored today as dads because we took that step. We made that commitment. 
God, we, we hold that responsibility as dads today. God, I pray the measure of blessing of them physically, spiritually, financially, their homes, protect and lead in God. Thank you for the dads that are here today. God, you've blessed me as a pastor to have these dads that are here, these moms and these children. What a blessing. You've made life for me so easy. God, I continue you could pray to, and pray that you would work in their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Dad, I just pray today you continue with what you're doing. Again, I've said it. i got to say it again. You guys are doing a great job. You guys are doing a great job. You may not feel like it. It may not seem like it to you. But listen, pastor has watched. You've done a great job. Rely on what you've done. Rely on what you've done. Rely on what you've done. And continue with what you're doing. And watch what happens. Watch your children. Will they stray? It's possible. Will they fall? Most likely. Will things happen in their life that you had never believed would happen? Probably so. But with what you teach them and how you direct them, watch as they get up. After getting knocked down, watch as they get up and say, you know what? I'm still going to serve my God. Love you, dads. Well, there's only a couple in here that are old enough to be my dad. And some of you would argue with me on that one. <laughs> Raise it high. Go ahead. <laughs> You know, this bishop didn't do a thing. He's just smiling at me. <laughs> I want you to know, as pastor, I, I, as a man, I, I honor the words that you have, the ideas that you have, the spiritual in, input that you have. There's a dad in here I have conversations with probably every week. We have great conversations. Uh, he wants to talk word. He wants to tell pastor where he... <laughs> That's good. So thank you, dads. We love you. Listen, there's nothing wrong with this. Could we give our dads a hand? Nothing wrong with this. Now, moms, go home and rule the house like you do. This dad's not foolish. Have a great day. Have a great Father's Day. Zach? For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.